Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Friday, everybody. It's your boy, Coach Lee, back on the scene. And, man, do we have a show for you all tonight. We have a local legend. I don't even know where to start at. We've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time now. We're glad to have him on. But before we can do that, you know I got to bring on my partner in crime, that man known as Uncle Leroy. What's up, man? How you doing today? <laughs> Hey man, look, I am ready. Look, I don't want to talk. Like, you know, Uncle Leroy always ready to talk, but I'm ready to get the greatness going. Like, you know, we had a great conversation. If y'all could have just heard the nuggets, sh let me shut up. This is another Leroy. Don't say the Leroy without the junior. And we got a great interview as always on Fridays. We got Roy Martin, the robot. Hey, he's a legend. What else there to say, man? Like, what else to say, man? You know, let's, let's get this started, man. I'm getting. <laughs> Look, let's get it started. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, there he is. How you doing, sir? I'm good. How about yourself, boss? Man, I'm great. Got you on here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm 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 available 24 seven. Look, you know what? You're gonna get tired of seeing this because we're gonna take you up on that too. <laughs> you heard it hey. just like that. All you gotta do is push the bad button. That's all you gotta do. Push the back <laughs> all right, all right. Look, you ain't gonna be too far uh, behind it. Man. <laughs> so hey, I, I definitely gotta get in there. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us, Olympian. Man, can I can I call you that? Can I call you an Olympian? Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, I earned that. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So very impressive. Very impressive. But uh, thanks for hanging out with us. So where you, uh, you know, where you calling? Where you hanging out with us at? I'm in Mesquite. I'm in Mesquite, Texas. Okay. 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 Steady. Yeah, uh, sitting, here, sitting here chilling on the patio right now. With your cape on? Is, is that the cape? That's the cape. <laughs> no. I don't go to work until after midnight. That's when the bat button comes on after midnight. <laughs> and I put on the whole, you know, I transform into the whole bat suit. <laughs> Already. Well, hey, before we can do that, we're going to go ahead and get this started. Because, like yep. I say, been looking forward to it. You have no idea when I, you know what I'm saying, I, I reached out to, uh, to uh, Uncle Leroy and I was like, hey, I think I might be able to get the robot on. He's like, really? So, as the whole time that we was communicating, I was like, I need to follow up. I need to follow up. But when I finally told you that we set a time and a date, I don't know who was happier, me or him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, because, you know, one thing about me, people that know me, my thing was track, track and baseball. That was my that was my thing. And so 
speak to someone who actually was able to take that track to a whole different level and become an Olympian. Man, like, look, I got so many questions. You know, I'm look, I'm I'm ready. Look. <laughs> well, if you got the questions, I got the answers for you. How about that? Well, hey, we're we gonna jump right into this. So obviously, you to be to where you were as far as your <clears throat> track career. What was your first track meet experience like? Say that one more time again. What would your what would your first track meet experience like? My first? Yes, sir. You want to say junior high school or high school or college or professional? What you can pick either one because I, I know it's gonna be different stories between each one. Let's start with well, junior. Like, well, you know what? I want the first unofficial track meet. That's what I want. <laughs> you know, I was, I was when, when, when you figured out, you know what? I got some jets back there. That's what we want here. Well, briefly, I'm 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 gonna answer that two part question. Okay. Briefly, uh, junior high school when I noticed that uh, Kevin Carden and his cousin they were the two fastest guys at at OW Holmes Middle School, and when I first tried out for track at OW Holmes, I was playing with them. Didn't know anything. Didn't had no clue about track. And I beat him in the 400. And then I'm going to fast forward. Uh, my first real experience is when I went to John Tyler. <clears throat> and we had one of the senior guys. He got sick. And Coach James asked me to come and uh, step up and run on the 4x4. Four four. And I'm like, sure, yeah, no problem. And uh, by the time I got the stick, the guy from Lincoln, he was like at the 200-meter mark. He was like 200 meters out. And uh, I went and got him. And looked at him and, and put about another fifteen meters on him and and, uh, <laughs> and that that put me right you know right there and the first thing Coach Jamie asked me what I want to eat I said I want to go to McDonald's and ever since then it's like every time you run we get to eat we going to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's oh. up. So what motivated you to compete? I like. When I would say in elementary, it started at, at field day. And um, when we have field day, I used to ask my dad to come to come and watch me run. And he never would come and watch me run. And I would bring back my ribbons. And for each ribbons back then, he would give me like $10 a ribbon. So now you're talking about fifth and sixth grade, that's a lot of money. And then <laughs> at that time, we stayed, off, we stayed on, on Colorado Boulevard. And uh, uh, at that time, kids can go buy cigarettes. And uh, so we had this alley, and my dad would always send me to the store at night. And that alley was dark, spooky. It was like, and I was like, I stand at the parking lot. I was like, well, the store across, I got to go through this alley, get to the store. So I would like shoot through that alley, go to the store, and shoot back. And my dad used to question me, how do you get back so fast? And so that's how I started getting to get into running. Okay. Hmm. So, all right. So what motivated you to be a sprinter? Because, you know, there's long distance running, short distance running. But what motivated you to be a sprinter? I think sprinting, I think sprinting chose me. Now, I can run uh, the mile the 800, the 400, the 200, and the 100. But my best assets was for sprinting. 
And it took Coach James to, first of all, it, it takes a coach to know the talent when they see the talent and put you in the best event that's, that suits you. And Coach James, would, Coach James had the niche. But when I started in track and field at OW Homes, I ran the 100, the 200, and the 4x4, and the, and the 4x1. And so that just transferred up into high school. And what we would practice, running the mile. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I don't like to lose, and so I'm I'm up there with the with the quarter milers, the the milers, the guys that run the mile. And so, and one day, Coach Jane had a practice meet. He put me in the 800, and I won that. And next week, he put me in the 400. <laughs> I won that by a little bit my first year, yeah. but I strained my hamstring, and that ended the open 400 for me. Ah. And then the 200 meters, it was just like. Hundred was just like, and that was it. <clears throat> nice. All right. All right. So it was pretty much whatever Coach James wanted me to run in high school. I had no problem with it. But he, but the one thing he said I wasn't going to do is run no hurdles, and I wasn't going to long jump. That's a different type of beast, right there. I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> And wow. he did go, and he really did want me to play football, but he had to bear and grit that, you know. So, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you normally prepare for your meets? Uh, Friday nights, uh, Fridays we would go to practice, and we would just do a warm ups, a walkthroughs, and Friday night, me and my my two friends, uh, Kennedy and Webb, we would, you know, we would hang out just for a little bit, but nine o'clock, we in the bed, we sleep, we get up Saturday morning, we, we go we go to McDonald's and get breakfast, and uh, we go to the prelims, and Coach James was one of the hard-nosed coaches that were, he didn't tolerate his athletes, the student athletes, to be all over the place, so we had to be in one specific area, mm-hmm. and if you were in that area, his first thing was going to be, hey, you stupid, you <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you know, so we've always stayed in one particular area. And <clears throat> so doing warm up, you know, we we do as a collective as a team and we will always just go through our drills and warm up together. And it's just been our, our, our ritual uh, the whole four years out there at Roosevelt. So doing this preparation, like, would you actually uh, how would you stretch? When would you start your stretching? We'll, we'll start our stretching. We'll, we always, when we get to a meet, we we'll always do two laps around the track. And then we'll, we'll do our stretching then, and then we'll go to our drills, and then we'll do, do our strides. And then at that time, you know, it's ready to, to start uh, competing in the, in the prelims. Okay. Good stuff. So, so yeah, de- definitely some good stuff. So, Obviously, you know, you, you competed at the high school level, the college level, back in the Southwest Conference days. Shout out to that. Um, and then Olympic level. So during that time, if you could, you know, as far as um, any time during, those, you know, that life, that, that span, who was your hardest competition? When? You tell my high school? <laughs> you like, I got to think. <laughs> you got to no, I ain't got to think. I'm just hoping y'all answer that one. That I, I hope you would ask me that question, but uh, 
<laughs> our biggest competition was in high school, as of 1985, uh, when that team from California Hawthorne came down there and did the unthinkable when they beat us in the four by four. Uh, I still get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps right now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, and then when you start talking about the, the elite level, it was uh, Carlos. He just threw that name out. Everybody can't just say that. <laughs> yeah, you know, he just dropped that down like that. You know, that got my attention. In the parks, they used to call me Carl Lewis. So what was that experience like when you met him? You wasn't starstruck or how was that? Well, when I first when I first met Carl, <clears throat> it was my junior year. And we were supposed to compete at the 84 Olympic trials. And uh, Carl kept ducking and dodging me. Mm. And it was frustrating me so much. And Coach James was like, "Did my cousin at the time, Harvey Morton, to pay for the Dallas Cowboys?" He was like, "Don't let that man get in your, don't let that man get in your head." But I'm 17 years old, and I'm like, I don't know what you mean, let him get in my head. And so, you know, I would go to California. We would go to different meets, and Carl was supposed to be there, but Carl would never show. And mm. until it was time for the big dance, and that's when. Kirk Baptiste came to the picture. Harvey Glance came into the picture. Uh, Lee Evans came to the picture. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, what was his name? I was on the tip of my tongue. Those guys was in the picture. So I was competing against those guys a lot on a regular basis. And then I didn't see Carl until 1984 in the Olympic finals or the Olympic trials in 84. And wow. we we became competitors ever since. My mission was to beat Carl Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But we were good, you know. Me and Carl, we were good friends today. We talk, you know, when we see each other, and you know, we were good friends. Hey, that's what that's all about. Spoken like two classy Olympians, most certainly. So, you said you got goosebumps earlier, you know, to talking about certain meets. So, you know, that emotion side of it is still there. What type of emotions do you normally get as far as, as when you compete? The emotions don't, the emotions don't come until you lose. Mm. The drilling come when you win, when, when you face the agony of defeat, that's when the emotions come. And in 85, when California Hawthorne came down and beat us, I mean, I was, I got very emotional. When I say emotional, I got out of character. I wanted to fight. I didn't want to ride back with my teammates. I begged the UT officials, uh, let's run this race one more time, which I know they weren't gonna let that happen. And 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 it got the best of me. And Coach James pulled me to the side and said, son, you can't win them all. And I said, no, I'm not losing none either. And so, uh, <laughs> And so that was, I mean, that was the most dramatic loss. I mean, I'm always a team, a team guy. And we lost as a team. Uh, I'm not going to make no excuses. I'm not going to come up, conjure up anything. Hey, they won fair and square. It is what it is. And uh, still to this day, I wish we could do it one more time. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> one more time. Nice. And, nice. and those guys and I, uh, we all still good friends to this day. We speak, we talk every, you know, two or three times a month. Oh, wow. That often. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Okay. Okay. So who was your hero? Batman. Batman. 
I kind of got that from your Facebook page. <laughs> which one? I mean, is it the old Bruce Wayne, the new one? Like, okay, like, or is it the comic? Well, uh, which you know, tell us why. Uh, Batman. Why you chose Batman? It's all of them. If you know the history, if you know the history behind Batman, then you know why I like Batman. Why I love Batman. Why he's my hero. Well, spoken. let's talk about it. Okay. Where you want me to start? Why Batman? You know, Batman is always <clears throat> out to help people. He's always out for justice. He always likes to do the right thing. And, you know, Batman, um, he has to make a sacrifice is to help people or be in love. You can't do both. You see what I mean? So you got to sacrifice love to help people. Clap that up, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. That was good. Right. And All it right. took me, and it took me, it, it took me a while to to understand it, understand his character, but I knew his character, but I had to accept his character as uh, as as Batman. And if you just go back and look at it, you're never gonna see Batman in love. You're never gonna you're gonna see him in love, but you're never gonna see him married. You're never gonna see him with this that you know. Is he always got that one significant one, but you, he just something is that separates that. Right. <laughs> wow. So, man, all right, so we found out your hero, but why did why they call you the robot? Is that was that a name you thought of, or or was that applied to? Actually, the name robot came from a junior high school girlfriend, and that was the first day. Like I like I said, I stated earlier. Uh, when I was running from the police, uh, running across the field, <laughs> when the uh, right when the track coach stopped me, and asked me to come out the next day, and my uh, high school junior high school girlfriend at the time, uh, and she was like, "Hey, you run like a robot." And I was like, "My name is Roy. My name is not robot." And, and <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was petty in today's world. <laughs> right. And so each day time I was each day time I would see her, she would call me robot. And I was like, then everybody in the school started calling me robot. I said, Well, I can't fight everybody in the school. So <laughs> hey, when she gave me the name, when she gave me the name, I accepted the name and and it's been that ever since. Wow. Hey. I don't know what I don't know what was in her mind back then in the seventh grade, you know, calling me a robot, but right. I, I guess that's you know, that was my style of running back then. You know, uh, I had an ugly style, but some people say it was a good style, but it was a because I'm, I'm not needed and my legs would come out, you know, uh, you know, when I run. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's much like a robot. I, I, I imagine. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know where she came up with that name. I should come up with the concept. I didn't know her mindset in the seventh grade. Of course, I was in the eighth grade, so I didn't, you know, but I'm not going to go get so um, um I wasn't gonna go against a female that I like. You see, you see what I'm saying? Right, right, right. <laughs> it makes sense. So you want me to be robot? I'm robot. Right. I clap that up for you, yes sir. Yes, sir. And, I, and I took that and ran with it ever since. Hey, that is. Hey, just that's like that. your moniker now. You no, know, it's anonymous oh. with you. Like I say, you know, I grew up here in the Dallas area, and you know, all my older cousins are who introduced me to you. They was like, you know going to the track meets and stuff like that. And I really didn't know what's going on. You know, I just went to, you know, to my grandparents' house back home. I didn't get out too much at that time. But they always say, we're going to watch Robot. And I'm like, well, who is Robot? And they get, you know, they get all excited and talking about it. And it just stuck. And like I say, growing up, if you knew anything about track, 
royalty was the robot. That's all you had to know. And it's it, to me, it's even that to this day, because like he was saying earlier backstage, somebody had said, you know, you, you know, um, you want to know about track go talk, you know, people from sock and stuff like that. I'm like, that was off the radar for me. I don't know. It's robot and Roosevelt. It's out. It's out. It's, it's all it's ever been. And I'm going to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So where were your goals and did you reach them? Back then, um, I'm going to go back. I'm going to start back from from a grade high school, college and now. And junior high school, I didn't have any goals. And when I say I didn't have any goals um, for is competing. I wanted I wanted to provide for my family. I want to make sure that we had three square meals a day. I want to make sure we had lights, water and gas on. And high school, uh, I went back to being this bully until Coach James took me back in that locker room and gave me 15 licks, and that changed everything, too. (laughs) 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 That changed the game. That changed the the box chess boxing game real quick for me. (laughs) And and so when Coach James introduced me to track and field, it, it turned my life around. And so... I started educating myself. He was educating me about, you know, high school records, what I want to do in life, where I want to go. And so then we start looking at the Olympics. Oh, okay. That's one of my goals. I want to make the Olympic team. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I want to set the national record. I, 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 it's, it's things like this. As I start getting into my career, I start progressing and start having goals. And the, the whole mindset was to not to let my family struggle anymore, not born and want for anything and make sure we have food on the table and we had whatever whatever my brothers and, and my mom needed that I, I provided to make sure we had everything that, that we needed to, to live in this world. That makes sense. That definitely makes sense. So what were some of the hardest obstacles that you had to overcome? Love. Losing. Elaborate on that. Losing? Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> love is a love. Love is a very dangerous, touching situation. I mean, love can love can make you. Love can break you. Love can Facts. make you do stupid things. Love can make you stay out all night long. <laughs> hey, that get the guitar. We sound like kind of blues song. We about to start. Do right, make you do wrong. And love, love don't make make you don't want to come back home. And love gets you off track. Love gets you off focus. Love gets you. Love gets you some trouble. Yeah, that's true. Trouble. That's true. But uh, my biggest obstacle was uh, just going through life. Uh, I had a lot of setbacks, and my setbacks was my comebacks. And I try to not to let my setbacks keep me down and keep me depressed. I mean, a couple of times I was depression. I was a couple of times I was suicidal in my life, and and. Uh, <clears throat> Then when you get a core of people with a nucleus around you, then when you get friends and teammates that, that come around you, because a lot of it, you know, I kept, you know, a lot of things I kept hid, a lot of things uh, I, I went public with. And so when you start getting this nucleus around you, then you start overcoming those obstacles. And then when you overcome it, you look back and you sit back and you're like, wow, I made it. Got that up for you, man. 
That's good stuff. You know, it's interesting that you say that. So, um, you know, I was going through, you know, looking at your Facebook page and whatnot, and I can tell that you get a lot out of life. Now it all makes sense by you, you know, talking about, you know, the obstacles that you had. I myself had those same type of struggles, you know, in high school, the suicidal tendencies and things like that. And once you over to overcome something like that, mm-hmm. then you appreciate life in its fullest. You try to live every day like you want to. You know, you, you count your blessings, something as simple as waking up in the morning. There's nothing like going somewhere and somebody having a bad day. I'm like, why are you upset? You open your eyes this morning. That's a blessing. Exactly. And, and, and many times us as men, us as black men, and I'm just speak for us as black men. Uh, we, you know, we, we go through things a lot tougher than the other generation does. And and we have a tendency of, of keeping things hid and keeping things inside. And and only way we think to get out of it is suicide. And uh, I encourage anybody today, whatever you're going through, if you ever need somebody to talk, pick up the phone and call somebody. Pick up their phone and call. If it, if it takes you call them two or three, four or five times a day, pick up their phone before because if you make that decision, you can't come back from it. That's true. That's true. That's very, that's very true. I didn't expect the uh, interview to take that turn, but I'm glad it did because, you know, um, that's something that does need to be talked about. And, and, and like you say, yeah. especially with black males, because we always <laughs> talk, be hard, don't show any softness. Right. Don't cry. Don't show no emotions. Be strong. Right. Be tough. No, I mean, we, we go, we, we all go through and everybody and everybody have that, you know, every man, I don't care how strong you look on the outside, but on the inside, every man has a heart and every man has a breaking point. Every person has a breaking point. And it went for the support people that I had, uh, <clears throat> one of my teammates, uh, when when it got real rough for me, you know, uh, we did this benefit race for Dallas Roosevelt. And I reached out to McClinton and, and uh, he reached out to me, McClinton Neal. He's a 1992 Olympian, a teammate of mine at Roosevelt. And, and we met, he came in, and we did a little side race on 35 street race. We were talking cash money, but that was my <laughs> night that I was going to end it. And uh, <clears throat> and something kept saying, he kept calling me, and I wouldn't answer the phone. And I was sitting in the parking lot in the, in the driveway, and a little voice said, answer that phone, pick up that phone. I picked up that phone, and then we came up with, you know, he was like, how you doing? I said, man, I'm just, I'm just here. And it was one of those things that, uh, I just really need to talk to you, bro. And we talked and we bonded and boom. And then we put on this this benefit race. I was the Batman and he was a joker and 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 they changed my life. I mean, that's why I say, you know, when people people don't know when, you know, they put the athletes on this pedestal. Hey, we have problems and issues like everybody else do. You know, our problem may be a little bit more, a little bit higher, but we still have the same problems. And as always, like I say, pick up their phone. And I thank God that McClinton Neal was there when I answered answer his call and he was so persistent and it took him a while to get, break this shield down. But <laughs> once he broke it down, we was able to talk and I'm here today. <clears throat> That's blessings. That's uh, definitely blessings. Glory on that. So we're going to pivot a little bit. So you have a special project that you're working on right now. Yes, sir. Let's talk about that. I'm working on my autobiography and it should have been done, it should have been completed about three years ago, 
but I had some obstacles that I had to face. When you say about some obstacles that I had to face, there's some, some personal issues I was going through my life. And me, if anybody knows me, that uh, I like to do things by perfection. I want to make sure it's right. I want to make sure all the I's and T's and dotted in. And if it takes this book another month, two months to get completed, and hey, but you know, we at the last stage of the book, and it's in the last chapter is the dark side, and a lot of this is going to be. Uh, what I'm saying to you, I'm just giving you, as you say, tibbit and stibbit. A lot of it, a lot of it, going to be in the book, and we're just making sure my editor, my writer, and my legal team, just making sure everything is going to be right to where we'll not come back and, and bite somebody in the butt. Understandable. As I Understandable. as I heard today, not bite somebody in the butt. I'm gonna say, bite somebody in the horse rein. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that today. That just that just tickled me. It just tickled my fancy, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm right. definitely looking forward to that book, and I would definitely make sure to grab a copy of that. Absolutely. I reach so, out to you when it's done, and and we we'll come back on the show, and 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 uh, we can make it happen. <laughs> yeah, all I ask. Is can I please get an autographed copy of it? <laughs> Absolutely. I personally come yeah. to you, bring it to you, and find it myself personally. Already. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so um, you know, what's your legacy? My my legacy is what I what I what I have achieved on the field. I want that to be remembered, but I want my legacy to be known for what I did off the field. And if I can touch one person's life and change one person's life, then that's my legacy. Now, what I've done, what I've achieved, okay, those are my accolades. But um, I want my kids to remember me, and I want my kids to research my legacy. I want my kids to put my legacy out there. Wow. So what is it? So your so is your legacy gonna be a sprinter, a long a long a distance runner? But so we're gonna circle back around to the uh, to the track because you know like I told you I'm a track guy. So what's the most important part of the race? The beginning of the end? like when you go because I was told you know you definitely got to get in the start get off the starting block, but you got to know how to run to the finish line. Yeah, I mean, uh, get back to the legacy part of it. You say what's my legacy? A sprinter or what? A long distance runner. All you know, same encompasses the same thing. No, my legacy, my legacy, my legacy is gonna be this. <clears throat> you know, I just got inducted to the uh Lassie Scholastic High School Hall of Fame in New York in 2019. Wow. And and they named me the greatest sprinter of all time, the greatest of all time. <laughs> and then and then in February I got inducted to the DIC Hall of Fame and they backed it up and considered I'm the greatest high school sprinter of all time. Hey, that's right. Yeah. I can attest to that. Nobody else. Wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> says Roy Martin, sprinter. Like you said, that's your legacy. You know, exactly. You know, just want to make, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we got, you know, we see what we can actually Google about you. But when we get, get the person, you know, we want to see like, hey, okay, this is what they're saying. You know, are you really this sprinter, you know, that's why what's the, you know, going back, that's why I say it's both, the legacy also encompasses the race, because mm -hmm. I'm a horse racer, you know, I love, I, I enjoy horse racing, and we say mm -hmm. a slow start, fast finish, fast start, slow finish, but as an Olympian, tell us about the race, what's the most important? Well, the most important to me is, is two parts to the race, most important is the start, 
the mid phase and then the finish. Now with myself, um, the weakest part of my race was my start, whether it's the 200, whether it's the 100. Now you're gonna be beating me the first 40 to 50 meters. Then that, that mid race part of it, then that's where them turbos kick in. And then at the end of the finish, cause I, I guess the way I ran, the more I run, the faster and stronger I get. And so I think my asset was my my finish. I think that was my greatest part was my finish because further I run, the stronger I get. And then for some reason, it's just like I just couldn't get tired. Hmm. And I seen that in your strength. And you're, you know, I've seen some clips of you, you know, so you was like an upright runner. So, mm -hmm. you know, so I was like, man, he doesn't, you know, being an upright runner, you can't lean to the through the finish line so much. So I'm like, you must just be used to just taking a photo finish. It's just you. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> We see, and now uh, in '84 at the '84 Olympic Trials, I missed. I made the team as an alternate, but I was never used to have to lean at the tape. And uh, Thomas Jefferson out of uh, Kent State, you know, he just beat me barely by a lean, and and uh, and that taught me, me and my coach. So we, I. When, when he beat me by a lean, Harvey Martin and my coach James, they uh, took me, we went to this restaurant, and I told both of them, I'm not never losing the weight uh, again the way I got the lean. <laughs> Take and that so, out of the equation. <laughs> and, so in, and so in practice, I would, you know, practice harder. I push my teammates. We, we would push each other. And it, we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing to the point to where it wasn't going. We was going to put it to where we didn't have to lean. You can tell in your form. That's what I said. I seen your form. I was like, mm -hmm. you know, wow. yeah. And and that in, in '84, I mean, even though I was 17, I was the youngest kid there, running against all the grown folks in, in college and, and the professor and the pros. But it it, it taught me. Yeah, that's his name. His name was Elliot Crow. Uh, it, it taught me and it, it grew me up real quick. I had to grow up fast. And I was like, one day we were sitting at, at practice and Coach James was like, well, you know, you, you made a qualifying time for the Olympic trials in 84. I'm like, okay, what you want to do? He said, well, you want to go? I said, yeah, sure. And I was so nonchalant about it. And, uh, so we went summertime we went to this two-day practice and that's when i know it was getting real <clears throat> and we would practice the morning come back in the evening and coach jane was always i'm like man why are we constantly doing these blocks why are we constantly doing block stars that was in the morning process but an afternoon process <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah we, we put in we put in some work yeah, we put in some work in in the '84. Really, 1984 Olympic trials really grew me up, and and and, and got me more more focused, more determined, and more hungry uh, to propel in this sport. Mm. So I'm glad you brought that. So the, so by uh, leads to this question I've always have. So as an Olympian, you know, you you got there, you know, you got the Olympic trials. What is it? Is it the mindset that missed you? Because clearly, it wasn't your work ethic. So. To you know, someone that wants to work and try and get in the Olympics, what is the mindset like? Is it more of a mindset that you have to get to become an Olympian to compete, or is it just the physical portion? The 
if someone wants to train to be Olympian and to make Olympic team, number one is sacrifice. You got to sacrifice. When I say sacrifice, you got to cut your boyfriend off. You got to cut your girlfriend off. You got to cut your friends off. You got to cut your families off. And you got to total, total concentrate on what you're trying to do. And that's hard for a person to do. I did it in 84, which I didn't apply that same thing in 88, but I did it in 84. And uh, yeah, you gotta, you, you have to be, you have to be focused. You have to be, you have to have that determination and you can't let nobody, you, you can't have, you can't have no distractions and no setback. Everything has to go A, B, C, and D. There ain't no F. So really, as you take away, you have to go back to A, B, and C. Then you start eliminating is A and a B. And then mm-hmm. you get real serious, then it's gonna be an A. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm dropping the mic for you, man. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, I'm taking notes, like for real. Like, man, that that's that's some real that's some real stuff because you know, you know, watching Olympic trials is like how you know. Same people come in, but they might come and miss the trials. Like, how can you miss it? They all, you know, they got their, you know, a, a physical specimen. They got the talent. They got the speed. They got the ability. But what mm-hmm. is it? So it makes sense. They're just miss, missing the mental fortitude. Right. Wow. See, because see, when you when you get ready to start, see, the, the Olympus is the Olympus is the pinnacle of track and field. When you reach the pinnacle, you at the highest. You at the highest, and there come women. Uh, I'm gonna speak for male and female. That's come women and male and male and female. That's come the media. That come a lot of distraction, and there's just a lot of friends come out the woodworks. A lot of family come out the woodworks. So, and then you got to have that strong person, and that strong person is your coach that cuts all that out, mm. that blocks all that, and that can get in your head to tell you, hey, you, you gotta let that go for a minute. Because you, you gotta you're on a journey, you're on a job that you gotta do that you're gonna go try to try to go achieve. And and I'm, I'm gonna tell any young out young athlete um trying out, yeah, number one thing is sacrifice mm. and dedication and discipline. Uh you got to have those three things and you got to have your direction. And and last but least, you got to be focused. You got to be focused because once you're a free nom and you get there to that stage, a lot of things start coming at you this way, that way, this way, this way. And a lot of things back then was coming to me this way, that way, this way, that way, this way, this way, that way. Damn. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, you was around a whole lot of greatness. You know, had great coaches. You had, what, Ernest James, uh, Ted McLaughlin, and Bob Curtis. So, um, we got oh, a you did you- so you did your homework, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so what advice would you give coaches for today's youth? What advice I would give coaches for today's youth? <clears throat> understand your understand your kids. Understand your athletes. Know when something's wrong. Know when they're not feeling okay. And don't push them to the edge. Don't burn them out. Don't try to live your dream through that athlete. Mm-hmm. We got to pass that up for you, man. <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Wow. Man, okay, as we get ready to, you know, wrap things up, uh, you know, ding dong. <laughs> <laughs>
So, you know, what was it like making the team? You know, you was in the Olympics. You know, what other countries, you know, was, you know, like were you in fear for? Or, you know, you was representing the United States. You had all these different countries. What was the, you know, next competing uh, nation? Uh, in spring. In 84, you know, I made the team. Uh, I kind of got into my feelings. I kind of got into the diva mode. Uh, I didn't go train with the team. Uh, I went back home for about two weeks and I got chewed out by my cousin and Olympic committee. So I went back, but in 88, now that experience there, uh, I had a, a couple of teammates that were from Nigeria that I ain't seen them since my SMU days. Then to see the other countries like Germany, Brazil, and seeing everybody else, I mean, it's like USA is number one. It's nothing like the United States of America, but once you get once you get in that that stadium when you have over a hundred two hundred thousand people and they're screaming and hollering and they for some reason they love United States of America athletes. I mean, it's, I mean, it was experience to, to where that in Seoul, Korea. I mean, it, it was it was so phenomenal that to the point to where uh, I traded a couple of my uh, track uniforms for a couple of uh, other teammates. We we traded uh, uniforms at the end at the closing ceremony. And I wound up giving them to a couple of people uh, when I got back home to the States. And but seeing other countries and, you know, I had ties with uh, I had some good friends in Australia. I had some good friends in, in, in London and uh, get to hook back up with them again and see them. I ain't seen them since my SMU days. And so it's like seeing other people from other countries and nationality is like I mean, it's an experience that you can never forget you'll never forget that wow. and everybody is there for one place is to win and everybody is, is happy everybody is is, is is friendship i mean it was I, it, it, I, it's so unbelievable to the point i can't explain to you but it was it was experience that i'll never forget that wow. um Maybe wow. next year, maybe I'll go just be a spectator next year uh, if, if, if the pandemic lift and, and uh, so I can experience that side of it. And But as the athlete side of it, I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we, so we got some awards that, you know, we've got that, uh, you know, the men's junior uh, holding for 200 preceded by Dwayne Evans and then succeeded by Usain Bolt. Say that again. You no, know, so we got some, you know, some of your uh, records. So uh, the men's world junior record holder for the 200, you know, that was preceded by Dwayne Evans and Usain Bolt. So, you know, you made history, you know, so like you've set records. So how do you stay humble? My coach, my coach always instilled this in me. Never boast a brag because anybody can be beaten any given day. Um, I, I, I never was the type of person that would boast or brag and, and he, the one that still that in me, uh, coach James to always be humble, be blessed. And 
Would you get 15 licks on you? <laughs> well, 15 licks stuck with him, man. <laughs> Bro, hey, that got you right for real. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, son. Son, look, I'm out of Hey, I'm on the air. <laughs> yeah, it'll teach you to be humble real quick, you know? It'll teach you to stay, it keep you, it stay focused, stay in line. But I had a, I had a lot of people that often seen that was always mentoring me. I had a good friend named Lee Hanks. Uh, he was always mentioning me, stay humble and stay focused. And a lot of people probably thought I was this arrogant person. I was conceited. No, I was just on that track. When I step on that track, it's about competing. It's about competition. I ain't got time to sit here and socialize and, and be your friend. Right. But once the track meet up with, man, we can talk all day, all day, all night. And and that's something that that was instilled in me from from our coach. I that our coach always used to express that to us. I always stay focused, stay humble, stay blessed. Never boast, never brag. Come be the show. Don't come Ooh. see the show. Most hey, you know, you know, hey, you know what? You know, this this show, this one interview is gonna be for sale. Like you keep dropping these nuggets, man. We're gonna have to, uh, have to make a, put them up for sale. But you gonna make me? You said nuggets. You gonna make me want to go to McDonald's and give me some some, some uh, <laughs> Real quick question before we end. Um, so as you stated earlier, the great Harvey Martin is your cousin. In my opinion, the greatest Cowboys defensive lineman ever. Um, mm -hmm. so athletics was part of your family. Seems to be in the DNA. Did any of your kids compete? Yeah, I have I have I have three kids. I have uh two boys and one daughter. Uh, my oldest son, he started he started competing in junior high school. Uh I was the type of person here. Let me start out by saying this. I was the type of father right here. I'm not gonna force anything on you. I'm not gonna force track and field on you. But if you come to me and say you wanna run, then I'm gonna give you everything I got, including the kitchen sink and including the pipes. And so I just waited till my kids uh, came to me and they want me to introduce them to track and field. And um, my, my oldest son, he, he played football, but he was more geared to being a football player. And when he realized he had talent to run track, uh, he kind of, you know, didn't really put forth an effort running track. And my youngest son, yeah, he was he was more often to to books, and a lot of it has to do with uh, we was going to a custody issue back then. And my daughter, she was like five, six years old, and I was like, I got up one morning, I said, you know, let me start a track team, and so I started Robots to Cedar Hill Track Club, and yeah. uh, <laughs> and and uh, so my daughter, she she got mad at me. Uh, her and about a couple of other young ladies got mad at me. I made all of them one day run the 800 and then the 400. <laughs> 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 but I was training I was training my kids, all of them. I mean, me and my coach, uh, my, my good friend, uh, Paul Will, he's my coach, and we had a small team. I knew all my kids by first name. We knew all kids by first name. And uh, we had 25 kids on there. And all of them we, we trained, I trained them the same way I trained. So I put in what I did in high, high school, 
what I did in college and what I did with Bob Kersey. And I gave this workout to them. So it was a little bit more strenuous for them, but it was more high tempo, but it was more beneficial for them. And I told him, I said, well, y'all may lose the first two races. Same thing Bob Kersey told me when he was training me. I'm like, huh? I said, just hold on. You're going to lose the first two races. See why those other athletes out here winning and what y'all don't know and what they don't know, you got the greatest coaches of all time. I've been trained by I've been trained by the best. And so when track, when it started to come here, everybody started going here and my kids start going here. So they started winning with success. So I used to tell them, you got to learn how to lose to enjoy how to win. Man. <laughs> Man. Yes, sir. That's a lot. That's a lot. Take in. I don't know about you, Uncle Leroy. <laughs> hey, look, that's how we got a part two because we got to know how you lost to enjoy how to win. So, hey, that's gonna be part two. You know, like I say, Uncle Leroy, I got a lot of questions for you. I got a lot of answers for you. <laughs> yes, sir. I got a lot of them for you. So, you got any shout outs? Before we get yeah, about I it, I want to give a shout out to uh, McClendon Neal. He's he's on, uh, out there in California. I want to give a shout out to Coach Robert Kelly. He's in California. Uh, who else I'm leaving now? Uh, my friend uh, Kevin Alford, he's here in Dallas. He just had a real serious accident, so uh, I'm gonna go see him, spend time with him tomorrow, and uh, uplift him a little bit. And and uh, can't wait till we get back to work. And and uh, we got some things on the horizon that we're trying to trying to do. And um, just shout out to everybody who's listening. Much love to everybody, all my all my friends and family. And uh, hey, much love. Much love to everybody. Oh, that was your Olympic move right there. That's that, that's how you do as Olympians do. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> but hey, this is dude Uncle Leroy. You know, don't say Leroy without the junior. You should give a shout out to Sports Talk with Friends. We pop by the fans. Shout out to you, man. It was great just being around in this atmosphere, man. Like, definitely appreciate you for hanging out. Hey, anytime. I appreciate your opportunity. Hey, this is Coach Lee. Like I told you all at the beginning, we're going to have a lot of fun. I feel like a kid in the candy store. I met one of my childhood um, heroes. Hey, I appreciate you here. You know, spending some time with us today. And it's greatly, Absolutely. greatly great honor to be able to talk to you. It's a pleasure. We're going to have to meet him. We're going to have to meet in person. Most definitely. <laughs> I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I need one of them shirts. We got you. You got, you got me one? We got you. Absolutely. Much love. For everybody that's time. watching, thank you all for watching. Be here next week. We got Chris Owens on the show. Be be here or be square. Thank y'all very much. Much love. Peace. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.